we have everybody here we need for sure to be here. Uh, good evening, everyone. Um, I'm going to uh, call together, uh, call to order the uh, Rules, Policy and Equity Subcommittee meeting of the Medford School Committee. Um, let me read the very long posting, <laughs> which I'm sure somebody wrote this thing back last March. Nobody realized we'd have to read it a thousand times. Um, please be advised that on Wednesday, March 21st, 24th, 2021, from 4 to 5 p.m., there will be a Rules, Policy, and Equity Subcommittee meeting held through remote participation via Zoom. Pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12th, 2020 order suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law and the governor's March 15th, 2020 order imposing strict limitations on the number of people that may gather in one place, this meeting of the Medford School Committee will be conducted via remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Specific information and the general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public and or parties with a right and or requirement to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event that we are unable to do so, despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Medford or Medford Community Media websites an audio or video recording transcript or other comprehensive record of proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. The meeting can be viewed through Medford Community Media on Comcast Channel 22 and Verizon Channel 43 at four o'clock. Uh, since the meeting will be held remotely, participants can log, log on or call in by using the following link or call in number. The uh, <coughs> excuse me. The um, URL for this meeting is https colon backslash backslash mps zero two one five five dash org zoom us slash j slash nine three eight six seven five nine three five three nine. To call in, um, you would call one nine one nine two zero five six zero nine nine. And the meeting ID is 938-675-93539. Additionally, uh, questions or comments can be submitted during the meeting by emailing me at prusaeu at medford.k12.ma.us. Uh, those submitting uh, must include the following information, your first and last name, your Medford Street address, your question or comment. Uh, the agenda for, um, to, well, we'll get to the agenda in a moment. First, I'd like to take a roll call. Uh, Member um, Graham. Here. Member um, McLaughlin. Here. And Member Rousseau here, three present. We have a quorum. Um, so we have uh, two items on our agenda tonight. Um, the first item we'll just get right into. Uh, so in light of recent events in Boston regarding the participation of the student representative to the school committee, the school committee, a conversation with the current representatives, Colin Bailey and David, David, how do you say your last name, May or Mai? Uh, it's May, like a month. May, thank you. Um, will take place to understand how they are experiencing participation as our student representatives, as well as what changes may be necessary to better integrate their voices and perspective uh, and respect their participation as critical members of the school committee. So I first wanna welcome Colin and David, and thank you for joining us. Uh, Member Graham, I think, has to say something. Uh, Member Ms., uh, McLaughlin, sorry. Member Graham was like, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, Member Rousseau. I just wanted to say um, welcome to Colin and David, and it's nice to see you. I know we've been exchanging email and um, having a little bit of email tag, so I'm really glad. And thank you to Member Rousseau for um, convening um, the meeting so that we can hear from you guys. Um, publicly in this meeting. So it's good to see you. Thanks for coming. So um, I, I hadn't really thought too much about how we would uh, do this. You know, the nice thing about subcommittees and small committees versus the giant meetings where there's 180 people watching um, is we can actually have a regular conversation. And frankly, I would wish this was just sitting around a table together because it would be way better. Um, but um, so I, I think that if it's okay with you too, I would certainly... Uh, welcome either one of you commenting or providing any feedback you have before the members, you know, before we start pontificating, which I'm certainly prepared to do. <laughs> so I point of information, member Russo. Sure. 
Would you mind also just sharing um, what the, what the, I know that you said regarding the, what had happened in the Boston um, school committee. So maybe for folks who are watching or don't know what you're referencing, maybe you could share that. Sure. Um, so I did not read all the articles and there were more than, there was a few. Um, so um, the representative, and I don't believe this was the only representative, I believe this has happened more than once um, to the school committee uh, resigned um, in protest to being uh, dismissed and having their voices not uh, valued um, and their opinions valued. Um, and I, I did not watch any of the recordings to see what that looked like. I certainly had no trouble just accepting that the uh, experience of the students was the experience of the student representatives. Uh, that sort of is a baseline for me. So um, I don't know if either Colin or David want to provide more details, um, but, and I don't know, um, can you, yeah, sorry. Um, thank you, Marissa. Um, yeah, I'm, I actually have the article pulled up right now um, and I'm looking at it. And um, one thing that he's talking about is um, the, the member of the school committee who resigned. Um, he said that he felt that he was immediately shut down when he had a question and they answered questions from other people that weren't asked yet. Um, personally, I don't feel um, that uh, the comments that I make are um, overshadowed, but I do feel that they aren't as um, as representative as, uh, as representative as other comments are. Um, and I feel that there could be an uh, if David agree with me or disagree, I would like to hear his input too. But um, personally, I feel like um, the voice that we have is not the same voice that um, the member that resigned had, um, where you could actually make comments on on the regular. Um, to also to that point, um, I kind of just want to preference that uh, I'd rather this just be an open conversation between all of us and the school board. Um, it just makes it a lot easier and for us to have a conversation to talk about these things. And like I said, Colin uh, was bright with that. Um, I think right now with me and Colin on this board, we really don't have much of a say, nor do we have a vote at all. And um, I think these are this is one of the biggest issues that we need, we need to come forward and tackle because right now we just feel like we're just a person on the board to represent the students. And we don't really have a say, but we're just here to be here. So um, I kind of just drawn up like a couple of things um, that I think would help us to move on forward with this. So one of the things is basically um, creating new st uh, student representation within the board. Um, I feel as though that we should basically move forward in a plan to basically expand how many students are on this board and to be representative of the school. So like one of the things I came up with is having a class liaison or two cl um, class liaisons per uh, each class. So we would have freshmen liaisons, sophomores, juniors, and seniors that would basically talk um, within, amongst each other to um, basically come up with new plans uh, about school committee um, uh, items or any new proposals that they'd like to see uh, in the future to be added to the school or to the board at all. And um this is just like one of the ways to just continue to help. I think there's also be little to no adult supervision because I feel as though that whenever there is adult in the room or an adult on the board, it kind of creates a new feeling or different type of mood that the students aren't able to be open or freely to discuss about these topics. So um, I feel like this should be a student-led organization that kind of just encompasses the entire high school from um, each different grade level to talk about what's going on within their own grade or class that then um, is brought up to the entire board itself to propose new plans or new um, ideas in the future. Um, I'd actually like to piggyback off of what David was saying. Um, I previously worked alongside um, the headmaster, Deleva, um, and a couple of um, uh, other members of the site council um, as vice president of the class for, the, for freshman through junior year. Um, and there were meetings. And um, one thing that I really liked about it was that we had student representation through and through, we had two representatives, the president and the vice president of each uh, class show up to the meetings. And I thought that was a really good opportunity for students to um, express their ideas because it gave, a, it gave you know, the president and the vice president, they were the ones who knew the class the most. Um, and I thought that was a really good opportunity for students to actually get their voice out there because I felt that um, we were heard and our ideas were put into action immediately. Um, so I, I just feel like, can I just ask for a clarification on that? Um, so this president, vice president uh, from each of the classes, um, this was a thing that's 
I mean, this whole year is sort of, I, I, when I say usually, I always sort of have to sort of caveat that this year yeah. doesn't really count. But so this was a, this is a thing that's already existed that where these people are meeting, th these students are meeting. Uh, I, I believe that it was, it was for, um, the, for the time that I was vice president of the class. Um, but I cannot speak for this year because I am not an elected official uh, or an officer. So, but for the time that I did do it, I thought that was a great opportunity for students to get their voice out there. And, and did, was there a name for this group? Sorry, if I missed that. No, 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 no. I, I, it okay. was just called uh, Site Council, I believe. And oh, Site Council. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. I, I completely glanced over that. Um, but yeah. Melanie? Member McLaughlin, excuse me. Yeah, um, no, it's good to hear this. And I'm glad that you really felt um, incorporated into the site council, Colin. Um, one of the things I am, am wondering about David and Colin, both if, as we're thinking about, so the vice president and president, I'm assuming you mean the class officers? Yeah. Yeah, so it was, each of the class yeah, so class so, yeah that are elected by the class, um, which again, I mean, I think that's, a good starting point, but I also want to make sure that we're thinking about our students that are outside of those regular sort of uh, spaces. So students that might not necessarily be elected to the class officers, right? Um, or, you know, haven't run for office or don't want to or whatever. So like, how are we thinking about? And I know that the class officers represent all students, but I think it'd be nice to see a mix too. So yes. Um, so that's my point number. So thank you. Thank you. No, uh, I um, David, excuse sorry. me. Just go ahead. <laughs> no, I agree. With, I I agree with uh, Ms. McLaughlin one hundred percent. I feel like um, obviously student representatives are elected by the class, and I think uh, for the vice president and president position, and I think that there should be more representation when it comes to that. If we were to in, uh, incorporate this into into the committee. Yeah. So, like my initial proposal, um, I only proposed one or two people, but um, I do see in the future where we would, where we would oh, sorry, where we would have to expand. Um, and I think that would become a idea that part of the board does, so the student-led board would talk about and to expand it to how many students. Um, I also think that diversity is another huge thing um, within that board too. Basically, having diverse students from different backgrounds or um, different types of uh, ways of life, walks of life, to be able to talk about these ideas and create new change is going to be a, a very, very crucial thing. Um, because I know currently, I feel as though that Medford is kind of divided in a way. Um, there's a lot of classism, and there's a lot of um, social economic issues within Medford that needs to be addressed. And this kind of goes to, um, towards our own personal academics too. Uh, it comes to removing the bias of honors and AP classes, because right now you can see a lot of students and all, a lot of the diversity isn't there. Uh, for these classes, the honors and APs are mostly um, uh, Asians or whites compared to the regular standard classes. And this kind of is like one of the biggest issues that I want to continue to tackle is to basically uh, continue to remove the bias of honors and APs. Because right now, it feels as though that if you're in the honors course or, in, or you're in the AP course, you're, you must stay within that path. Or if you're in the standard course, you must stay within the standard, uh, standard course path. Of course, there, there are students who are, um, you know, moving up throughout the ranks um, to move into honors classes or AP classes. But there's just a continuous, like, if you're in the, a standard class, you're gonna, stay, you're gonna stay in the standard class. There's no reason for you to move out of it. And that's like one of the biggest issues that um, I feel as though that um, minority groups aren't able to be represented within these honor classes or these AP classes. That should be a thing that should, you know, uh, partly because everyone's smart in their own ways. And even if they not, may not do good in academics in, in certain parts, they still should be within these honors or AP courses if they feel as though that they should be part of it. That was pretty profound, David. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Um, I think that, um, I think that's something that we have to look at data wise as well. You know, um, when we talk about subgroups and, you know, uh, the classism, um, and ableism, frankly, that exists um, in our culture and in our community. So I think that that's really important. And I appreciate you naming that. Uh, and I think that um, that's exactly what I was addressing in terms of the diversity and thinking about outside of the box around that, but also, you know, what kind of how data tells a story for us with that. And I know for me, even last year, going to the, to the um, curriculum night, um, there were a number of experiences I had where there were comparisons made at curriculum night to 
uh, standard classes and students versus honor and AP students. And it was literally by, you know, by, by staff, right? They were talking about sort of, well, our standards class, you know, sort of doesn't, you know, may not listen or may, may have behavior or whatever, just sort of, and it was really right in the presentations. And I thought that was, that was really interesting. And I did bring it to the principal's um, attention and I'm sure it wasn't intentional and I'm not trying to call anybody out on it, but I think the implicit bias is really real um, in that way. And so I appreciate you naming that. Thank you. Okay. Um, David and Colin, I, you know, I guess what I am trying to think through as you guys are talking is the connection between the site council that you were referring to and the role that you play on the school committee. And like, are you, are, are you suggesting that um, there needs to be like a better connection or a different connection um, or something else? So I, I'm just trying to think through some of your comments to figure out like how we make sure from a school committee perspective that we are actively hearing your voices in our meetings and and maybe that's because you are bringing forward issues or maybe it's because you are talking to the site council so I'm just trying to think through in real time like how how do those two things connect um what I was looking at was David's proposal of having liaisons with, uh, for each grade um mm -hmm. and I correlated that myself ah, to okay. the site council. yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, just two per class. That was how it was for the site council as well. And that's what he proposed for the school committee as well. Um, I, see. I thought, yeah, the way that we had that was just, we talked directly to the members themselves. And I thought that it was, I thought it was the best form of communication that I've had when talking to, um, people who are obviously higher up, um, in school committee. So I thought it was just a good opportunity then. I thought that I could correlate. Um, to add to that too, also, um, I kind of just want to have more student representation throughout the board also, because right now two students isn't really fully um, reflective of the entire school. Uh, I think having more students from different grades and different backgrounds would continue to show more and better representation of the, of the students within the school. Um, I think also that um, right now the school committee really just handles a lot of the budgeting uh, and we kind of as students aren't really into the budgeting or the financial aspect of, of, of school committee. But also we feel as though that um, we should have representation, an actual vote uh, within the school committee board. So to actually voice our opinions if we don't ever agree with the adults um, regarding a topic or a certain issue. Uh, that way it kind of will show that um, we students are actually standing for something and rather than us just being here without any vote at all. Member McLaughlin, then, then superintendent. Thank you. And just backing it up a little bit, if you guys can tell me, how were you selected in your liaison roles? Who, who how, what is that process to the school um, currently? Uh, so currently uh, our principal, um, so uh, since I'm part of the vote, uh, Mr. Fallon reached out to me and asked me uh, if I'd like to become a school committee board uh, member. And I said, yes. Um, and I was super approachable to, to the role. I think Colin was a contact in the same way uh, through either a teacher or, or a uh, supervisor within the school. Um, I think, that currently isn't a good way to choose uh, who should be within the school committee board. Um, but at the same time, this is the only way that we have it for right now. But I think throughout my plan, uh, we should have an elected official between the students. So the students will hold um, a vote between uh, who would they want to be elected for the class liaisons. Uh, and then in the future, um, within the next couple of years, we can expand to more liaisons. But um, my current first year plan would be electing uh, two liaisons from the senior class to basically speak on uh, these issues that they feel as though are within the school. And then maybe year two, we expand to the junior class. And then year three, we expand to the sophomore class. And then year four, we expand to the freshman class. And then after year four, uh, we could look into within our own student representative board um, to having to expand for more than two liaisons per class. Um, and before the superintendent speaks, I just wanted to jump in here real quick. Um, so I do have the mass general law that dictates all of this. Um, so I, um, on principle, I actually think having voting members of the school committee being members of the actual people we're, we're overseeing is, uh, is sort of almost natural and obvious and a, like, duh. I mean, seriously. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the current law is quite explicit. Now, um, what David just 
iterated on how we actually select the student representative is actually what the law says it should be. Um, so uh, getting us to the point where there's a student-based election to select the person to be the advisory committee, um, to be the representative, uh, that shouldn't be too hard since that's technically the law. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, operationally, I'm sure there's some work to do to make that happen going forward. But um, I think that should be an easy win um, because that's what has to happen. Uh, but that it's a, it's a pretty small section in, in the law, but it also is very clear that um, that you cannot be voting members. Um, you know, you can't be compensated, which I personally, as somebody who believes all work should be valued and paid, um, find that particularly crazy, uh, offensive, sorry, that's the wrong word, crazy. But, um, you know, that no matter how many hours you spend sitting there doing your, your duty, <laughs> we cannot compensate you. Uh, um, and then the other part about this that is a little concerning is that it says there can only be one. Exactly. Um, we have always had two. And um, as far as I know, I mean, this is my fourth year. Um, and um, my understanding why we had two was it's, it's a huge burden. Mm -hmm. I mean, our meetings are not half an hour long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> as is our, our, our trivia game night name was the all nighters for a reason. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think I will, one of the takeaways I will take from this is to find out, you know, this, this section of the law, what parts of it are restrictive and what parts are sort of like the minimum, you know, can we have two without any problem? If we have, you know, not if, but you know, it's pretty clear about that there should be an election of the student body to determine who it is. But if the student body picks two people or four people or whatever, um, is that okay? Um, I think it's something we can get an answer to. Um, sometimes things are really like, this is the minimum you can do, the most you can do, and sometimes the minimum you must do. Um, and so, and, and it's not a lot of language, but some of it seems to definitely be going back and forth between those two things. Um, um, but being a voting member would require the, the state legislature to change that because it's explicit there. Um, but um, I, I just wanted to get that out there. And I, I, I will send you all the link to this particular section. It's actually short, which is nice because usually these things are pages long. Uh, uh, Dr. Edward Vincent, you wanted to say something? Yeah. So what I had wanted to say, thank you for um, just quoting that because I appreciate both David and Colin um, sharing, you know, their perspectives and giving feedback. And I was going to say that, you know, we're actually, um, you know, following the law that, um, and in Medford, I think the thinking behind having the two representatives at one point in time um, where we had both the high school and the vocational school, those were the two kind of um, we, trying to take one person from each side because the school kind of has two personalities if, if we can use that um, image. But um, the intent was we always had one student at one meeting so they would alternate because pre-COVID times, students were part of the band or they had, you know, practice and football games or whatever the case may be. So I think the two, the two members would alternate if there was maybe a test the following day, then the other person could do it. So they kind of had like a, uh, a backup responsibility. And I wanted to say, um, you know, when I think about this, um, I think of this experience as like a precursor or practice for those who would consider becoming elected officials, that you, the school committee members, were elected, you know, by the public. And so as elected officials, I, I do feel that you guys should be the voting members because there is information that you're privy to that um, not everyone would be privy to um, in your official role as school committee members. But I do like the idea of um, having a more active um, 
student council, I guess the way they were describing, uh, you know, who the representatives would be, et cetera. So I just had wanted to say that um, we're following the law and that um, in other, I think the newspaper article where the student did comment about, um, you know, providing specific opinions or feedback and the student was not allowed um, or they were not allowed to speak. I think in Medford, um, if Colin or David raises their hand and we see it, I, I've seen the chair or other members acknowledge and say a student's raising their hand. And, you know, when we're eventually back in the chambers, um, you could see one another. So when you raised your hand, it was like, oh, Colin's raising his hand, David's raising his hand. You know, there was a little button and they would come over and speak into the microphone and um, go back and sit down. So I do feel the fact that, you know, we're on COVID time and that the meetings are taking place remotely. And so we're not always all on the same exact page. You know, if there are hundreds of people on the call, someone could be in another page. And if they don't use the raise hand function, um, sometimes you're just not seen. So there are a lot of limitations. So I think that I, I, I don't want you, Colin or David to feel like um, we don't value what you have to say, or we don't wanna hear what it is that's being said. I, you know, I know Mr. Deleva's on the call, Dr. Cushing's on the call, um, you know, Ms. Galusi, we would love, Dr. Riccadelli's on the call. Um, we have administrators who would love to be able to receive additional student feedback and even um, possibly ask for a school committee member to be a liaison or to also work with that. Because I think in some communities that might be um, that a school committee member is kind of elected or um, selected to be the official point person between the student voice and the school committee body. And that person can kind of mentor and, be, you know, help to say, David has something to say today, or Colin's going to be bringing something forward. And there would be a specific school committee person helping to navigate that pass. So I, I just wanted to say we, um, we are, you know, taking, I'm taking little notes here and, you know, I, I'm really happy to see how the two of you have really been thinking about how you can increase, um, you know, student voice. And we're definitely open to that, but there are some guidelines because we do need to follow the law that we are, um, there is a slight restriction about that. Um, so I just, I just wanted to say that piece. And um, thank you, uh, Member Rousseau, for adding the law, uh, Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 71, Section 38M. Thank you for that. Member McLaughlin. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to also say to Colin and David, like there's a million ways to sort of think about this, right? So um, I think one of the things that I was reading about in the with the Boston School Committee student members too, was it seemed like the individual that resigned was part of a group of students that resigned, right? So they had another group, whether it was their own, you know, school committee themselves, I forget what they called it, I hadn't seen, I don't remember in the article, but I think they did have like a student school committee or something, right? So they had their own group that basically, I think, you know, the representatives probably went back to and met just as you were saying, right? In a, in a group setting, like a after school group that is created at the high school, you know, where you have representatives that are doing this, that are part of the student government, if you will. Um, and to, to um, the superintendent's point, you know, I'm sure you've seen your uh, co your our, your predecessor Justin Singh is running for city council in Medford, right? And he was an excellent school committee representative, and we enjoyed uh, him and listening to him and his perspective. And he was also on the superintendent hiring committee. Mm -hmm. So I think that you know, in when students realize how valuable their voice is, and when they realize that their voice 
is heard and does have a lot of social capital, then they really start to, I think, come to the table, right? And rise to the occasion. And your voice is so critical. It's the most critical voice, in my opinion. And when you guys really, you know, can articulate that and express that, then I think that's, that's really the key in figuring out how to do that, right? And so working around, if you will, the legislator, right? Legislature, right? Because this is the law, this we have to follow the law. But what other options do we have, right? So if we have a representative, you guys meet with your schools, you come back with a statement from this organization to us, any of those things that you can think about as workarounds. And we're all, I'm sure, happy to talk to you about any of these things. And so to um, the superintendent's point as well, superintendent respectfully, I, you know, love the idea of liaison to the students. The only thing about that is I think all seven members, maybe six members would be clamoring to be the liaison to the students um, because we all very much care about, of course, about your opinion and your perspective. So I think that um, there could be a way that, you know, maybe we think about liaisons per class or liaisons per school or sort of anything like that so that every member can be included and have a, voice, a conversation with the student. But also you should know many of us have office hours that are open, obviously, but also we'll meet for coffee anytime with any constituent, yourselves included, because you are constituents, um, even for those who are not voting age yet. But I think, you know, you guys are either 18 or coming up on 18, right? Yeah. So there you go. Your constituents yes. um, uh, and, and, and the other, anybody else are pre-constituents. So we work for you, right? We're elected. We work for you. And, and, and remembering that is super important. So I want your voice to be heard. And there's a lot of ways to, I don't want to say skin a cat because I don't like that image, but I guess that's, that's sort of what I'm talking about. There's a lot of ways to get things done. Thank you. Um, before we go on to member I just want to, um, we have one other agenda item that I expect will take less than 10 minutes. So I just want to keep our time in uh, sync. Um, and I also want to um, um, make sure we leave with some action items. Um, I think that the law, which you may not have all had a chance to just read, sort of lays out three things for which we are doing none of them. So it seems like those would be good things to be considered action items. Um, um, and then um, I have a, some other thoughts on things we might be able to do as well, but Member Graham. Um, so I had a couple of tactical thoughts and maybe some questions as well. So um, it strikes me that our student liaison always starts with us pretty late in the fall. So the student does not typically join us until November-ish, if I recall. And I think, um, you know, perhaps we need to think about the timing of that so that we can make sure that you get the, the joy of a full year of service with us when you, when you come on, um, come on board. So I think that goes back to like, we should be holding elections according to the law. Um, that, you know, the, those obviously like mechanically would need to happen very early in the year, maybe the prior year, I don't know, so that you can join us at the beginning of the school year um, to have that sort of full, um, that kind of full experience, because there are things that move from um, meeting to meeting in different ways. So I think that's sort of one thing that is on my mind is how do we make sure that you all whoever the representative is, is into the fold much sooner. Um, I also would like to see us when we call the role, add you to the role so that we know who's there. We, we know who to be looking for. Um, it isn't usually a problem in chambers because there's like nobody there, but <laughs> when you add Zoom and there's hundreds of people, it can be challenging, but I would wanna make sure that we call the roll, we, we log you in as, as here or not here, no judgment, um, because, you know, you are students first, but um, whoever is there, we know, and we can make you a co-host so that we can see you on the front of the screen instead of like hunting for your reactions and things like that. Like when I, you know, when I am on Zoom, I like to see all of my colleagues. I want to see their reactions just like I would in person. And I certainly would want to see yours. Um, and I don't, it's, I don't believe there's anything under the law that would preclude us from calling your names in the role. Um, another thought that I had as we were talking is, is there a way to um, 
call you to vote in a non-binding way. And um, I think the question and maybe the takeaway for the two of you is if we were to do that, um, would you want us to call you first or last? And I would be perfectly fine if you didn't want to answer that question right now. <laughs> um, because the, the elected official, the elected members of the school committee by the city of Medford do have to cast the votes. Um, but, you know, when it's, when it's a nice vote, it's not a problem. It doesn't matter if you vote first or last, but you may want to think about some of the more contentious votes that we take and sort of the, the role and the voice you might want to play. And perhaps we can investigate calling you as a, as a part of the role, even though your vote is not a binding like factor. Um, the other thing that we have had on our agenda on this committee for a while is to redesign the, um, the agenda itself. And perhaps in that the redesign of the agenda, there needs to be a report from our student liaison, just the same way we have a report from our secretary. Um, and then sort of my final thought as it's been like rattling around in my head is um, are students allowed to submit resolutions the same way that voting members of the school committee are under the law? Um, and if you are allowed to do that, are you aware that you're allowed to do that? What does that look like? And what would, the, what would our rules be around that? So those are some things that as I've been listening to the conversation have been sort of rolling around in my head. Thank you, Member Graham. Um, just a moment, Aaron McLaughlin. Um, I did write down all of those suggestions, um, half of which I had, but found some other ones from, for me to put on my list. Um, and um, the agenda items one is a particularly interesting one. I, I, I feel like we don't even have to ask because um, the public can submit items um, for presentation, like in general. So um, I feel like you know we would probably want to nail that down a little bit more precisely because these are not just the public, <laughs> these are the student representatives, but at the same time, I, I can't imagine that they could not. Um, and then the liaison part, um, I have that written down. Um, it does say that we as a committee will designate a student liaison, um, or excuse me, an outreach coordinator for the purposes of um, uh, working with the student advisory committee. So, um, that doesn't have to be one of us. Um, I think we, it, it does not say it has to be one of us because I agree with Member McLaughlin that we all might be clamoring for that when in fact, it might be better to assign somebody in administration or a teacher or somebody who's interested in that work um, instead of piling it on um, and to, to those of us that may have it where it gets lost in the mix. Um, and then um, the voting, uh, my other question um, for Colin and David around the voting, uh, you know, whether you go first or last, if we, if we can, if we are allowed to add you as a person who votes on things, even though it is not going to be counted, um, there's the first and the last is very, very important. Um, and um, as, as member Graham pointed out for the, for the fun stuff, it really just doesn't matter for the scary stuff where uh, a member is the first person to vote on something uh, on everything. And um, sometimes being the first person out of the gate to say something can be no fun. Um, but um, I would also ask you to consider whether or not you would um, be okay voting. Cause you know, you're representing a group of students. You don't have time to go back and say, okay, here's a motion that just got, cobbled together by one of us in the committee and you've not had a chance to talk to anybody about this. It's sort of, you know, it's life as a person who gets to vote. I don't get to go off and ask constituents, how should I vote? Um, but it is certainly something I think you should think about um, when you contemplate this question. Um, and then member Graham, uh, member McLaughlin, excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, yeah, also it was something that was noticed in chambers because I'm assuming at some point we'll we be back in chambers. And um, this was something that I had mentioned last year to um, the tech people is that it would be nice for the student uh, to have a microphone. So that would be something else that I would add instead of having to saddle up to one of the members and squish over and speak through their microphone and feel awkward about everything. They should have their own microphone. And so I'd like to see even if it's a handheld 
Um, we can do that, you know, once we're back in chambers. I like the idea of the, of the, um, of the, you know, advisory and sort of going back to your constituents, which are your students, your your cohort, and and the other grades. Um, and then I would also just encourage folks to really be thinking about how are you representing those most marginalized communities, right? Our subgroups. Um, and how are you, you know, are you, you know, either through the CCSR, are you part of the common ground program? Are you going into the, any of the access classrooms or the EL classrooms and talking to those folks and, and, and helping ensure that they have a voice as well? And so that's something that I, I really, you know, I'm happy to talk with you guys about more, but that I, I again, would just ask you to think about as you're thinking about these issues and these questions. And then I don't know if it's the law or not, but I was actually wondering this myself, um, member Russo about, um, the voting order, because I, as the secretary, I'm always like, as you can see the past couple of times, I stumble until I write it down in my Excel spreadsheet and do my tally and all that stuff. But is there anything that says it has to be alphabetical? Because, you know, I'm smack in the middle, which is convenient, frankly, <laughs> I don't mind being in the middle. Um, but it is it is tricky, right? When you have those those tough times, right? And so I'm curious about that. It's another question for another day, I think. But it's something that I would, as you know, ask my committee members, my subcommittee members, as the policy uh, subcommittee, to that we look at that because I think it's reasonable. And why should people always be put in that position? Thank you. I, I, thank you. Um, I, I want to uh, let uh, Mr. Murphy speak, and then I do want to make sure that the last people talking on this are Colin and David. So think of something to say if you don't have something right on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> I, I think that's appropriate. And I'll, I'll be concise so we can get back to the students. But um, I, I did want to say, that I, just as by way of background, say that um, a long, long time ago when I was a high school student, I had the opportunity to sit in one of these roles. And then years later, uh, when I was an elected member of a school committee, was the committee liaison to the student advisory council, which is what that community called it. I, we found that that system did work well. Um, I think the point that I think Mr. Rousseau made about making sure that, that the committee designee is paired with someone from the administration or even potentially a teacher to work as a co-advisor, both because the students have more access um, to, to that adult in that role, but also it's important for the from the part, a big part of this experience for, for Colin, David, and for the other students that serve is an educational experience. And so the stronger that bridge can be between the committee uh, and and the students who are representing their their peers at the better off the better the better the experience generally is for everyone. What, what we found was helpful was to identify at the beginning of the year some specific projects that were chosen by the students and were generated by the students, similar to the way the CCR projects uh, work here, and that way the committee was fully informed about what it was that the students were looking to advocate for and to lead in. And so if that's something that uh, isn't currently incorporated into these roles. I think it's something that we definitely um, could think about. I would say with regard to the to the non-binding vote, I think that, and certainly Colin and David should speak on their on, in their own right with regard to this when they feel appropriate, but it, 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 was, it had, was my experience both as a student leader and as a committee member that there were, it was not uncommon for the committee to be deliberating over issues in which the students who were serving in the student body didn't necessarily have a fully defined position. And I wouldn't want to see students who are serving in a role that is meant to be educational feel as though they are being um, compelled to take out a, a binary position in one direction or another, or sticking out if they, if they choose to abstain, which is, you know, could, could be, uh, I think, a particularly difficult situation. So I, I think it's a better practice to invite the students to comment on whatever they want and to withhold comment on anything they choose to withhold comment on, um, rather than to sort of like being called within the role, which incidentally does not need to be alphabetically. There's certainly nothing at the state level that would require that. That's a practice that the a local, a municipality can adopt or not adopt. I would recommend that you don't for the exact reasons that Melanie um, spoke to. But I think that that gives a little more flexibility um, in a way that I think is appropriate, given the, the the fact that this is, well, certainly an opportunity to lead, uh, also an opportunity to learn. And I wouldn't want the students to feel as though they were being put in, a, in an uncomfortable position because it, it sort of it wastes the opportunity at that point. So that's, that's all I, I wanted to add. And hopefully the fact that I was in your seat at one point isn't too 
isn't terrifying that this is where you could end up, but it's something that you should think about. Um, you've got many years to do that. Thank you. Um, and I would welcome David or Colin to speak before we wrap this item up. Uh, yeah, no, of course. Um, yeah, so uh, there are a lot of things that, that I agree with there. So um, I do think that uh, this is a learning experience, but also a um, rightful experience that we should, you know, be encompassing to. So I think we should have a vote. And I think since the students who do choose to become liaisons of the class, um, either, either they um, vote yes or no, or they abstain, that is the decision that they make themselves. And I think just having that experience to being able to make those decisions is going to be a crucial thing for these students to learn because we're all going to be faced with hard challenges and for a student to make a yes or no decision that is up to them and i feel as though that they should have a non-binding vote to say yes or no or to abstain um so that just comes with the process of learning uh, another thing that you kind of covered was having a like a plan at the beginning of the year um so i kind of include that in my own personal plan to have a program of work every year so projects that students want to work on or the entire board wants to work on um that will be part of their program of work that they just um, they they designed at the beginning of the year, so then that kind of covers what they want to accomplish towards the end of the year and what goals are being met, and that kind of just puts out a path for the students to be uh, representative in their own way. And uh, if Colin wants to add anything to that, then yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree with David. I believe that um, any vote is better than no vote, even if it's non-binding. Um, I feel that students should have a say on behalf of their class or the student body in general. Um, and in regards to whether voting first or last, um, we can decide this at a different time, but personally, I would prefer to vote first because I think that um, we should get our voices out there first and students should have the confidence to know that we have their backs and um, that we are like putting our um, opinions first um, to the stage. Thank you. I appreciate this uh, conversation. It was. Uh like how's this gonna go this was way better than i really expected um i also don't feel like this is the end of this conversation i feel like um you know um we should work up some black and white written down um, um you know next steps and uh, maybe we will have another one of these to kind of go over those um this particular subcommittee would of course be recommending any new rules or if if necessary policy changes so um, they would certainly come back here and um, I will be certain to invite you when those come up. It probably won't be at the next meeting because we have a substantial list of backlog things, but um, I'm hoping we can have something um, going before the, the end of this school year um, so that we can start the next school year uh, on a good foot with some changes. Um, and um, if there are no other last, Member McLaughlin, yeah, I was just going to say, would it be too much to ask that we think about a schedule just right now that we can, I would like to see, you know, since Colin and David and you sort of, you know, came up with this idea and this process, it would be nice for them to be able to have uh, participate in this process before graduating. So in some context, so could we give ourselves a deadline of say, you know, beginning May that or and last meeting in April or whatever that we have this uh, recommendation to come before the school committee as a whole to vote. And then, you know, there will be still some opportunity for Colin and David um, to participate in the process. Um, certainly, I expect a good number of things actually to happen before the end of the school year. Um, looking at the, the language of the law, there are, uh, there is an expectation that the student body will actually hold their election for their new representative or hopefully representatives if we can have more than one. Um, so that has to happen, it says, uh, prior to the first day of June each year, um, so that, you know, the problem mentioned earlier of, you know, we don't really see them until November, that, that's because we haven't been doing that. Um, so prior to June, which is incredibly soon, there, has, there should be an election to identify who this person or hopefully more than one person will be. Um, and um, that would come to the school committee, presumably just a as a report, I don't think the school committee votes on whether to accept that, um, but that would be the first week of June, presumably. Um, I, I also don't have a clue how elections are being handled in the current situation with COVID, but um, there's still class officers now, and I'm sure um, that is a process that can continue. Um, and then the other, the other items, um, I will write those up 
and you know this week and um, distribute them and, and just see if there's any of them that are that are um, that are just not controversial in any way. They're not complicated or not not controversial and not complicated. Um, you know, if we have to do something that's going to take substantial time and resources in the middle of the pandemic, that may be a challenge. Um, but you know, the the three items that are in the law, we really are not complying with any of those. So to me, we should just get those done, and that shouldn't be a conversation. Um, and that would be a huge step up. I mean, the creation of the student advisory committee, which may actually exist, but not if there's no liaison and there's no passing of our agenda to that group so that they can develop a response so that representatives can come to a committee prepared. I mean, um, yeah, I think we can get a lot done before the school year is over and David and Colin are not our representatives. <laughs> um, I, I wanna say thank you to everybody. We, have, we do have to get this other policy done by five o'clock. So um, if you want to stay or leave, that's up to you, but thank you very much. I greatly appreciate this meeting. So, um, agenda item number two, where's my agenda item number two? There it is. Um, so the next item is um, a policy on face coverings. I am, um, the members all received the policy. It is part of the agenda. So the public that would have seen the agenda to know we even are here would actually have also been able to read it. So I won't read the whole policy. Um, the policy was sent to us um, from the Mass Association of School Committees. And um, um, Nurse Ray, did you want to speak on anything in particular about this? I know you made a couple tiny updates. Um, I, I really don't have much to add. I mean, we all of the um, principles of this policy we had incorporated into our reopening plan um, at the beginning of the school year. Um, we followed both uh, CDC and Department of Public Health guidance on that. Um, so it, it really doesn't need any more explanation. Thank you, uh, Member McLaughlin. So I didn't realize that this was from MASC, but I think it's interesting that there's nothing in here about IEPs or IERs, the individual um, uh, emergency response or individual education plan. Um, so I would obviously assume if it's on a student IEP that um, they are not wearing a mask or that they are working on wearing a mask because some students have you know, uh, mask wearing as part of their um, individualized education process um, and some students, you know, um, are not there yet. So I understand it says has trouble breathing, is unconscious, is incapacitated, cannot remove the mask or face covering without assistance. Um, so that says nothing about, you know, has a disability um, or has an IEP that sort of suggests that. So I'm wondering why that might be. Did you have? Yeah. So I, I can answer that. So if you go to the next paragraph, it says, in addition, masks or face coverings will not be required for anyone who has a medical, behavioral, or other challenge making it unsafe to wear a face mask. And it is um, the, the state mandate that in that instance, we, a physician needs to write um, the note for, re, for an exemption. So, and we have, we have followed that this school year. Okay, so um, it is the state mandate for a student with a disability on an IEP who's not able to wear a mask has a doctor's note that they cannot wear a mask. Is that it, I hear? It is. Yep, it's written very narrowly, and yeah. um, we we have followed that um, in our schools. Huh, that's interesting because I would imagine that you know um, therapists or others, but I guess if they're an MD, they can get it from their um, from their medical doctor. So that's important. But I know that they say challenge. I just I'm just, and so this language is from who? This is from Desi? It's Mass Association Mass of School Committee. School Committees, okay. So we can let Mass Association of School Committees know if we have any issue or uh, concern with the language. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, uh, Member McLaughlin, uh, I mean, we, we can change the language to anything we want exactly. as a school committee. Um, the, the legal references below um, at the bottom of the policy explain what MASC used to write the language. Um, and this is their suggest. It, this is the the starter kit. Um, I am quite sure there are districts that have probably made substantial changes to this. Um, but you know, after I got the uh, new policy from MASC, 
um, I read it and, um, and, uh, and, Ms. and Nurse Ray also had a chance to uh, review it. And um, that's why I sent it here without uh, substantial editing. Member McLaughlin. Thank you. So I guess I would like to make a motion that we include a sentence that says something to the, uh, to the effect of, you know, is a student with a disability who, you know, where an IEP indicates is unable to wear a mask. And if we want to put in parathetical notation, doctor's note required or something, that's fine. But I think it's an important uh, point, both for families of students with disabilities and for self-advocates and others to understand that category. So a student with a disability may look at this and say, you know, especially someone who takes things quite literally might look at this and say, I don't have a problem breathing. I'm not unconscious. I'm not incapacitated. I can take the mask on or off, but I can't because I, you know, I feel like whatever, you know, I have a stimulus, I have a sensory thing. I can't, whatever, any number of things that happened, you know, for individuals with disabilities. So not being classified in that um, I think is important. So I would, I would uh, respectfully request that we include the individual is an individual with a disability, is a student with a disability who has a, you know, uh, a, 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 t, a, a, a doctor's note or IEP notation um, that, you know, precludes them from being able to wear a mask, right? So uh, we want to- Member McLaughlin, mm -hmm. um, can, can I just, um, you know, um, I mean, being on an IEP is, in, you know, you could not be in an IEP and definitely qualify with a physician now and vice versa. So I do feel a bit like the IEP part of the language would, um, I don't wanna say muddle it, but it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. not a requirement or not a requirement to really have this exception. Um, and uh, I mean, certainly plenty of people with physical disabilities may not have an IEP at all. Um, and, um, and um, you know, I think there's lots of students and adults with anxiety disorders for which you know, that's just between them and their physician. Um, so um, I, I, I certainly am fine with kind of pulling that out and making that explicit. I'm just worried about how do we do it? And we have, we have like 90 seconds. <laughs> um, so my, my, my ask or was, uh, would you take it on to, you know, look in other policies or find some language to suggest at the regular school committee to amend it then rather than us trying to amend it here? Because I feel like time-wise, we're kind of lacking that. Um, Member McLaughlin. Sure, I would be happy to do that. And I would be happy to consult with the Director of Pupil Services um, regarding that. And I fully understand that people with disabilities aren't on IEPs necessarily, but IEPs can also drive training around wearing masks. And so that's sort of part of the issue that I'm discussing right now. And so that's the nuance around some of this. So, um, but I'm sure um, the director of pupil services and I can come up with something um, that will feel uh, appropriate. So sure, I'm happy to do that. And, and I do want to add in, you know, in our programs, um, the teachers and the school nurses have done a wonderful job with um, introducing students with disabilities to mask wearing. We have been using social stories um, to you know, encourage students and, and um, help them understand what the process is for wearing a mask. Um, there, there has been accommodation um, with physician notes and with parent um, input that, you know, that facilitates that. Um, that action within the classrooms. So, um, you know, we, we are addressing the needs of all of our students. Um, even- Don't doubt that for a second, Miss Ray. I don't doubt that, no. Thank you. Um, I did also um, wanna just highlight um, this, uh, there's a review frequency as part of our policy information. I've set that to five months so that at either our, our very first meeting in September that we review this again, because we really don't have a clue what things will look like come September. Um, and I would hate for us to have a policy mandating this if everybody's vaccinated and nobody needs to wear a mask. Um, uh, do either our student representatives, since you're here, do you have any anything you wanna say about this? You don't have to say anything, by the way. That's sort of, <laughs> politicians you know, take a while to learn that. <laughs> you know, of course, um, I think um, a member of McLaughlin makes a great point with the, the language within the context of the law we must follow. I think having another meeting towards um, September to review this and to see how um, things have changed since and to make sure that everything is going well.
so thank you guys so much for for being today thank you um all right so um are there any other comments or anything on this um so is there a motion to send this up as it's presently written knowing full well we will be looking for an amendment Sorry, what are you looking for in terms of a motion? The motion to send this to uh, the committee of uh, the school committee as a whole. Yeah, just a motion okay. to approve the the new yeah. policy. Uh, motion to approve the policy with a um, an amendment uh, forthcoming. Um, sure. I'm well, um, I I don't know that we can do it exactly that way because um, we because we have to say what we, the amendment is. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I'll do it on the floor. Motion to Thank approve. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, uh, Member uh, Graham. Yes. Member McLaughlin. Yes. Member, so yes, three in the affirmative. The new policy is um, passed out of subcommittee, will be sent to the full school committee on April 12th. Um, and I appreciate everybody. We managed to only be three minutes over, which Motion I personally. To adjourn. <laughs> Second. So, I take your three minutes away from your last 20, Paul. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not keeping notes. Motion to adjourn. <laughs> Um, member uh, Graham. Yes. Member McLaughlin. Yes. Member so yes, three in the affirmative. This meeting is adjourned. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.